0: and amen you can grab a seat and uh you know that is um you know coming in on the very beginning of uh january 1st 2023 it is awesome to start our year off just singing praises to our king amen and so good morning christ church um i was so bummed by the worst time snowstorm of history last week and uh, cancel not just our christmas eve service but i know uh, so many other churches in our area and um it's just it it just makes me uh and and reminds me of the fact that uh, just how uh, blessed this time is how awesome it is to gather and so i just want to wish you a happy new year's and hope you had a great christmas and the snow uh, might be able to cancel the time when we gather uh, to reflect on the incarnation, but as I um, prayed and looked at the message that was uh, that God had put on my heart for our church um, on Christmas Eve, I realized that um, the time might get changed and canceled. But uh, the message is not, and uh, so I'm excited um, to open uh, God's Word. Isaiah nine is where we're going to be at, and. Um, Here's the reality about not just the incarnation, but so many principles and themes that we see throughout Scripture. Um, we they're not relegated to only one time when we think about them and celebrate them. And anybody who's been a part of our church for a, a, any time at all knows that uh, when we talk about uh, Easter, we're like, no, we 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 stay in this Easter celebration mode and. Um with the incarnation, the the time in uh, and what we celebrate around the Christmas season, the coming of Christ, uh, that is not something that we just reflect on around Christmas. No, it is uh, intended to be a truth that God wants uh, to direct our perspective all the time. amen. And so uh, we don't just do that and celebrate that at one point. Um, we want God's word to direct our thinking on this subject, not the world's perspective, but god's word and so i'm excited to advance that perspective this morning and so before we uh, pray before we jump in let's pray together god thank you this morning for your truth and your word Uh, thank you for um, just being a God that we can trust even when maybe things don't play out like we wanted. And, and God, you know how much our heart runs to wanting to gather with your people at different seasons and times and weekly. This expression of gathering together means so much to our hearts and our souls and is a picture of the gospel as, it's, as the, God's people rally together. And so I just pray this morning that you would help us to reflect on the incarnation and this aspect of it that your word teaches us about. And I pray that it would challenge us and stir us up, not just to know these truths, but to embody them and live them out. So we just trust you at this time. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the word um, social justice was a word I thought about a lot this, um, this week in preparing this message. And those two words, um, they cause so much emotion and even hostility in today's church. Have you guys seen this? Have have you heard some of the, the realities of this? Like, If you speak on any justice issue, almost always there's someone who accuses you of being too woke or rushes to cancel you. I like I've had people some of you may not know this, but I've had people ask me or ask one of our staff to ask me if I'm woke. Anytime I've spoken on something and my response if somebody actually comes and talks to me about it is I'll be like, you know what, actually right now I'm 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 awake. I I'm like I see you, I, I hear you, I'm if if that's what you're talking about with that, then yeah, I, I'm 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 woke. But is that what you're really talking about? And But if you're trying to take a word that could mean anything to you and then apply it to me or evaluate me by that word, that's a problem. So if someone wants to come and ask me a specific question about a specific social issue, then ask the question and, and let's consult Scripture together and do what God would have us do, but let's not sort of give ground to the culture and, and run around fearful and ready to accuse anyone, uh, that's the opposite of biblical love. And, and as I was thinking about this subject, I, I read this quote from a Josh Buse in a recent blog post. Just Just read this with me. He wrote, It's no secret that today's evangelical church, especially in America, is greatly divided over the social justice movements, methods, and message. Rather than promoting love and peace, the social justice movement breeds resentment, animosity, and division. And the reality of this and the way the church is responding to it is doing the same. Social justice by default flows out of a long history of postmodernism where we just make up whatever we want to believe and call it truth. And with a functional goal of deconstruction, the movement itself demands reparations rather than forgiveness, penance rather than repentance, and social activism rather than unity and gospel transformation. Now listen, I I agree with his statement, but I don't think this means that the church should withdraw from social justice because God is always moving to bring justice to the world, church. Like, sending Christ from heaven into the darkness of our world to reach people who are blind and lost is the greatest social justice move of all time. All time. And into this insane environment that we see happening in and around our culture, like I don't want us to back away from that. I want to lead our church forward to understand God's justice and his response to injustice and lead us to rightly hear the gospel of Jesus and and the call of God in the gospel for his followers to embody God's justice to the world. As I studied this topic, what I saw was that justice is so clearly highlighted in the Christmas story. And, And then on top of that, there is this injustice more profound than any moment in the cross and a reversal of injustice in the resurrection. And so today as we reflect on the Christmas season and then Good Friday and Easter this year, is going to be a three-part series on God's justice. We can't be afraid of this word because the world has taken hold of it like it does with so many world words that are within God's word. The world takes hold of it and by the time you see it or even understand what the world's te- the world the world is teaching about it, you're like, "I think that's distorted." And it is. See, we've got to be confident because this word justice is actually a part of God's character and is immersed everywhere in God's word. So today as we process Christ's incarnation, let's see how God's justice breaks into our world in the coming of Christ. Many passages I could go to to give us a clear glimpse of this, but none was more compelling to me than Isaiah 9, 6-7. Now, a little background on this before we read it. Um, This passage was looking forward to the coming of Christ during a dark time in in Jewish history. King Ahaz, one of those kings you read about that you're like, not a good king. Not a good king. King Ahaz was the king of Judah, and Israel and Syria had joined together to take out King Ahaz through an invasion. And Judah was under attack. talks about it in 2 Chronicles 28 that 120,000 soldiers died in just one day and many more were taken away as slaves. It was a dark day of oppression and injustice. And so Ahaz, being the foolish king he was, he makes an alliance with Assyria to help defend Judah, but this just leads to rampant idolatry. It was a dark time and God's people... Not dissimilar to the reality of idolatry in our world today or the darkness in our world. We're longing and looking for God to bring justice. And into that moment, Isaiah looks to the future and prophesies of a new king coming. His proclamation is read around Christmas because it's a prophecy of Christ's birth. Let's read it together. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born... The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Big move this morning, if you're taking notes, Jesus entered the world to establish a new era of perfect peace and justice. God had this word. It was a part of his very nature. And this is the message of the Christmas season. And it's not just a message for, for one part of our year when we celebrate and focus on Christmas. It, it is not just a message for then, it's a message for throughout the year, for the followers of Jesus Christ, and it is an opportunity. God's inviting you to, to join him in this mess in this in this mission to embody this message. To, to establish a new era of perfect peace and justice through the ways that we live and the ways that we engage our world. It, it won't be perfect, but it will be a preview of heaven and it will reflect the character of God. And it should be an act of love regardless of the response. The call of the gospel for us to be people of justice that are entering into places of injustice with the hope of Christ and the message of the gospel and love and care and generosity is reflective of the incarnation. Jesus entered our world to to communicate love, to show love, and to die for love regardless of the response. And we're called to join God in his work. And so three moves for us this morning if we want to be a part of God's mission to establish a new era of perfect peace and justice. Three moves. First one, submit to the rule of Christ. Submit to the rule of Christ. Too often what happens in the context of the church is, is that Uh, They they rightly understand that God calls the church to justice, but they just run to justice. And there's a foundation that needs to be built that's established in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 that I want to make sure that we're like, move one, move two, then leads to a right fulfillment of move three. So that's sort of the path of the message. This first one, first move, is submit to the rule of Christ. Jesus came to reign. Like he came to be the king. That that sweet baby in the manger, the little Christ child was literally sent to have the weight of the government upon his shoulders. We see in verse 6. The the word government means uh, ruler dominion. It means ruler dominion. And Jesus is God, and he's not a normal child. He was the son of God. He alone has the strength and the qualities necessary to carry the rule of all on his shoulders. Everyone rejoiced when Christ came because the king had arrived. That's what's happening in the incarnation. God had come into the world before any guidance, before any wisdom was spoken that we see in the Gospels. Before, before any blessing was experienced from Christ's miracles or His life, Jesus deserves to be crowned simply because He was God in human flesh. The King had come. The King had come. It's, it's difficult for us to understand sometimes the, 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 the kind of the pomp and circumstance and the. Uh, ceremony around um, kingship because we live in a democracy. If you live in a country where there's a monarchy, in a monarchy you have a, a king or a queen, or sometimes they use other names, uh, to, to reflect the person that is the leader of the country, and they're, a, they're the leader of the country for life. Unless they uh, set aside their, their right to the throne, they're upon the throne for life. Whenever there is a transition to a new monarch, there's a coronation. And a coronation is all of this ceremony really around a simple act of placing the the, the crown on the new monarch's head to display a transfer of authority. It's a big event in countries that have a form of government as a monarchy. And on Christmas Day, I want us to remember that the kingdom of God broke into our world and a new kingdom was being established and Jesus was rightly recognized as the king. And when you recognize Jesus as king of your life, Initially, in those first moments when you you put your faith in him, but then each day afterwards, in in, in little ways and large ways, when you take steps of faith, you're submitting to the rule of Christ. And when you put your faith in Christ, it is a coronation. You're transferring the, the authority of your life over to another and, and, and so when you take the crown from your own head and you literally go, I'm not going to live how I want to. I'm not going to be the authority over my life. I'm going to put that crown onto the head of Jesus. It is a coronation every time. And when that happens, every time the crown moves from, from your head to the head of King Jesus, you announce... And declare with your life, the government, the ruled, the dominion is on his shoulders, not mine. And if you want to reverse some of the grossest injustices in this world, comes from us believing that we have the authority. And, and when that happens, when a coronation happens in your life and my life as the disciples of Jesus Christ, literally the kingdom of God is increasing and expanding. And we're fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy in our day, when it says, uh, from this time forth and forevermore, in any area, at any point, it's coronation, and a new era of peace and justice is being established. It starts, this move of ushering this into our, 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 our lived reality starts by submitting to the rule of Christ. That's the first move, it's the first move to to go after this reality of injustice. Second move is this, trust the only king who can bring perfect peace. Perfect peace, the the joy and satisfaction that it brings, can only be found, we've been studying this, it's not just applicable to this message, we've been studying this all throughout our our Sermon on the Mount series. Uh, We've we've seen again and again that the, the blessings of the gospel come when when we're abiding in a in a relationship with King Jesus. I I've experienced, like so many of you have, I've experienced times of peace that are that are truly supernatural. Isaiah, in looking forward to what Jesus would usher in, he saw this perfect peace too that the New Testament talks about again and again and again. And in, in Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Look at this, look at this passage. Isaiah said, "You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock." And when you see this, you might ask yourself, like, what, what, what am I supposed to, what am I supposed to trust in about, uh, to to find this perfect peace? Like, what is my mind supposed to be stayed on? What are the distinctives of King Jesus that can bring perfect peace into your life? Look, it's the second part of Isaiah 9.6. Look what he declares. Right after declaring that the government shall be upon his shoulder, he says, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That is our King. That's the king, that's the nature, the character of the king that can bring us peace. You know, in, in not just not just in world history, but in biblical history, it, it, history is full of really terrible examples of what happens when people give themselves to human kings to try to find peace. Just think about the ways that we do this. Human kings love to promise some aspect of peace to you. As I was thinking about this, I, 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 um, I, I wanted to see if this was truly the case, so I googled presidential slogans. A few examples of promises. Union, liberty, and peace, 1864, Abraham Lincoln. Let us have peace, 1868, Ulysses S. Grant. Peace and Prosperity, 1956, Eisenhower. Listen, we're called to respect earthly authorities, but never believe that a human king in any form can can bring and fulfill the promise of peace that Isaiah was pointing towards. Again and again, we do this in the political world, in the business world, at every layer of our society. Promises of peace come from lesser kings, and we believe it. We love to trust lesser kings. It's a condition of our heart. We see it all the way, even in the Old Testament, of their desire for a king. And then God gave them King Saul, and they were like, yeah, that wasn't our best decision. And, and so what happens then is as you as you age, we, we tend to have this naivety in our youth of trusting earthly kings, and we uh, sometimes too quickly put ourselves under them or believe that they're going to be the der- people that are going to get us to perfect peace. But as we age, we start to uh, lose confidence rightly in uh, uh, lesser kings being able to bring us peace. So then what we tend to do is we tend to go, well, I, I can't. I can't trust lesser kings, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna trust myself. Bad plan, bad plan, but we do it. It's a tendency of our heart. We, we just trust lesser kings. Anytime you put yourself under an earthly authority who is not directly linked to King Jesus, who is not pointing you to King Jesus again and again and again at every turn, at every opportunity. When you put yourself under an earthly authority, you are putting yourself under some degree of imperfection when it comes to peace. And what often happens is, is you experience the opposite of peace. Instead, establish peace in your life more deeply, richly, and consistently by keeping your mind stayed on Jesus. Like, learn to meditate on Isaiah 9:6, And so, if you haven't had maybe an opportunity to even understand when people say, what is it, people say meditate on scripture, and you're like, what does that mean? This is a perfect example. And so let's do this together. Like, let's absorb these four truths of God's character into our hearts and our minds and our souls. Let them minister to you. Take hold of them by faith. Let's just do it together right now. Let's look. Wonderful counselor. God in the person of Jesus he wants to bring wonderful wisdom to your life in every aspect of your life. I, I, I don't know the places of your life that you're needing wisdom. But I know that the person of Jesus Christ in every aspect of your life has the ability to bring that wisdom through the work of his word, through the work of his spirit, through the work of his word and spirit, through the community of God. He is a wonderful counselor. Let your mind be stayed on that. How would it impact the way that you seek counsel when you need it? What would that look like in your life? Meditate on this truth. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Jesus is the mighty God. He has the name of God. He is, he is one part of the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's all-powerful, which means that, as my mind is stayed on the reality of Jesus being mighty God, that there is, in whatever circumstance in my life or in your life, that causes us to feel unsteady or it's unclear or uncertain. The character of God as mighty causes me to find security and through security, peace. Mighty God. Let's keep our minds stayed on that in 2023. Jesus is the everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. God's very nature is eternal. It's outside of time. And so that means that the faithfulness, unlike any lesser king, the faithfulness of his love and mercy and goodness has no end. Let your mind be stayed on that. It has no end. His rule is both good and forever. And so this this reality of everlasting father is saying this character of God as father with all of the warmth and the goodness of that and all of the provision perfectly, exactly in the way that you need it in the right time, that is everlasting, it never ends. It never diminishes, it never ceases. Let our mind be stayed on that. And then Jesus is the prince of peace. Under his rule and reign, when resting on under his character's prince of peace like you are never oppressed under his leadership and rule so many other ways mixed motives can play out in and around lesser kings and cause us unsteadiness as we doubt and consider and wonder and and work through different motives and things that are always at work with lesser kings and the imperfection of that but In Jesus, he just says, come to me and you will never be oppressed and you'll find rest from all opposition. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. These these truths establish more than Christ's authority. They're an invitation to intimacy. Learn to abide in Christ, like, this is what it means when our mind is stayed on the character of Christ. When it, it leads us to submit in reverence and fear, and 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 draw near to the love and mercy of God, trust His character. Like He's the only King who can bring perfect peace. And and let let this year, as we consider the realities of who God is, meditate on these truths and see your life and circumstances through the the constancy of the King's character. Settle in his supremacy, rest in his intimacy, peace. Peace. Settle in his supremacy, rest in his intimacy, peace. Trust the only king who can bring perfect peace. So, with the reality of first submitting to God's rule and reign, and coming under the authority and and many coronations of my authority to Christ, then um, trusting that his justice is with us in the person of Christ to rule and to bring peace, then and only then are you ready to join the mission. And that's the third move. Join the mission of Christ to extend his rule and reign. I um, felt like in approaching this passage that I was pretty familiar with verse 6 but I hadn't spent as much time studying verse seven. And and so let's let's just read this verse again because there's so much power here. It says in verse seven, of the increase of his government, his rule and dominion, and of peace, so they run together, like we've already seen, rule and dominion and peace, there will be no end. Like, that that means the prophecy still extends to today. Today. It's still being unfolded. It's still being fulfilled. The the, the extent of this is still being pressed out through the purposes and the plan of God. And then it says, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, and what's happening in the kingdom is to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Again, we're right in the midst of the unfolding of this. It's still happening. And then that last statement has just gotten itself in my heart and and mind, and it's just been kind of rattling around in there. And, And look what it says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is what happened on Christmas. King Jesus, in the incarnation, in entering into our world, He he came into the world on a mission to extend the rule and reign of God. And we miss this so easily around the Christmas season. Too often, this is not the message of the Christmas season. The the, the violent reality of God entering into our world to bring justice is not what we often go to first. It's not associated with... Too, too often in our celebration. Ched Myers rightly critiques what our culture has done with the Christmas season. He says, he wrote this, we have long candy-coated and Disney-fied the Christmas story beyond biblical recognition. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. And while I like candy and some Disney shows, it is so critical that we understand what's really happening in the Christmas season, not just in Christ's coming, but in what he's calling us to. Fleming Rutledge in her beautiful book, Crucifixion, writes this. She says, the incarnation itself was widely understood during most of the Christian era to be God's invasion of Satan's territory. Over and over again we find it. The meaning of Christmas is that God is invading the territory held by the Prince of Darkness. How about that for a Christmas, a message? She gives examples from from different poems that, that affirm this emphasis that were often put to music to celebrate Christmas going all the way back to medieval times. Johann Rist wrote this, This child, this little helpless boy, shall be our confidence and joy, the power of Satan breaking our peace eternal making. Or this line from the 18th century Christmas carol, God rest you merry gentlemen. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Fleming Rutledge sums up her point. Yet it is a sign of the underlying sentimentality of our culture, think Hallmark, that Christmas carols with themes such as these would be unthinkable today. Despite the terror and suffering all around us, we demand soft focus, peace and joy images for our Christmas cards. God God, forgive us if the Christmas season, the celebration of Christ breaking into our world, becomes watered down by the sentimentality of our culture, and even I would challenge us to consider our Christian culture. Instead, what this beckons us to that Isaiah 9 certainly affirms is that the Christmas season should be a rallying point for the church to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. Celebrating the incarnation of justice in the coming of Christ should be a reminder to look has the, has the followers of Jesus Christ, has his ambassadors to enter into our world to be agents for righteousness and justice. Through Christ, because we have come under the rule and reign of Christ, because we sit secure in the peace of God, each of us should look right into places of darkness and oppression and suffering in our world and look and long and pray that God through his wisdom and his work and his word would lead us to enter right into those places to bring righteousness and justice. I'm I'm so thankful uh, for the the efforts that that we made in the sacrificial giving in our church in December. We had a that 3 week focus on each one of the different compassion ministry partners in our church and I'm so thankful church during that season in it uh, just out of the offering given, not to mention the direct giving to those ministries, um, we gave $17,921 to those Compassion Ministries. Amen. Amen. And I am so thankful for, for your generosity in that. And I'm thankful for the way that that's gonna support those ministries, and I'm humbled by the words of encouragement that I heard from some of the leaders regarding our church's partnership with those ministries. And giving money is a start. And I'm thankful. And we should rejoice in that. We should rejoice in what those ministries are doing to bring righteousness and justice into our area in the name of Christ. But, but that's not the end. That cannot be the end. That has to be in the life of the Father, Jesus Christ, only the start. God wants your life to incarnate righteousness and justice into places of darkness. The Spirit of God wants to do so much to expand your vision of generosity. Generosity not just giving financially, not just giving your attention to, and heart to the needs, not just giving your life in service to those needs, but, but, but to literally incarnate righteousness and justice in places of darkness. The burning message of Christmas is that the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, God's kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There's got to be a sense in our hearts that we read that and go, God, let it be in our world, in our time, in our church, in my life. Join the mission of Christ to extend his rule and reign. And on the authority of that last statement, that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, I'm calling us to this. The mission is for everyone to embody it. Just like Christ entered our dark world, every disciple of Jesus Christ is called to do the same, not in the same way, but to do the same. There will be no end. There will be end no end. And if the Lord of hosts and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, then our prayer should be like has been mine that I would encourage you to pray over your own life and over our church. God manifests this in us. Like let the Spirit bring this prophecy to pass in our midst. Continue to fulfill this through the power of your Spirit and uh, the lives of the believers in the context of this local church. And extend that to the world. Let it start with us. And and I've been been, been praying over this for our church. And and, and dreaming and asking, God, would you call us to respond to this? To live into the message of Christmas well beyond the Christmas season? Would you you give us? The, some people in our church and awareness that maybe they have more time or margin or maybe they're going to do something radical to create that margin so that they could enter into the front lines of where the darkness is with the hope and the joy of Christ. Maybe in the context of our church in different ways. Maybe in the context of the world in a variety of ways. Maybe starting something that hasn't even been thought about that would reach into an area of darkness in our area. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, which means he can do this. And so a simple way that you could even respond today if you're like, well, maybe I'm not going to start a new compassion ministry, but I'd love just to link with one that we partner with in our church. And so... You can go on our app this morning and you can click on the Sunday Connect part and there's this little part that says embodying justice because that's the call of Isaiah. That's the call of the Christmas season is to embody justice. And if you put your name there, one of our leaders will just follow up with you to start a conversation about some opportunities that we're aware of that we could link you with. Or maybe there's something else that God's putting on your heart. I I trust the zeal of the Lord to do this. But let's not hesitate. We want to join the mission of Christ to extend his rule and reign. Not a worldly engagement with social justice. That is so much lesser than what God calls us to. And so God's justice is marked by the gospel. And, and we have a call over our lives to embody this justice in our lives and into our world. Jesus entered the world to begin to establish a new era of perfect peace and justice that's meant to shine a light to the world and call people to the truth of his character and to the reality of his kingdom. And what the followers of Christ need to do to embody this is first to submit, then to trust, and then to join. Let's pray together. God, I, I, I see in this message for our church an opportunity for a word that has been distorted by our culture to be rescued. Rescued because the word justice is inherent to your character. God, Help us to see the way that the world might even have a a right heart or desire for this reality of justice. But they will never understand it fully apart from you. They will never embody it like it, it could be embodied and can be embodied in the gospel. That their efforts are futile. Their perspective on social justice will never have peace apart from a God ruling and reigning over all of it and promising to bring perfect justice, not just into our world now, but fully and completely in eternity. God, thank you for the truth of your gospel. Thank you for the way it leads us and guides us. I pray that we would be a people who embody justice, and so because of that, we will live it out in our world, in our social context, and in that, God, that is a beautiful, redeemed perspective of social justice, and I pray, God, that we would do that because that's what you did when you entered our world. It's the joy and the celebration around Christmas is the reality that you broke in, and we thank you for that. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we want to put our faith in you and we want to reflect that to our world. We ask that you would do it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.